Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joining the line later today by Chris Chase of the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, before we get into this week's show, I want to give you a little update, a little recap of the week that was. First off, in case you missed it, my kiddo started school on August 7th, which is still mind-blowing to me that kids are going to school literally the first week in August, but... It was a little bit bittersweet, you know, love having a routine, love and having a schedule, but it was pretty weird. You know, Wednesday, big man got on the bus and and he was gone for seven and a half hours and kind of walked in the house. It was almost eerie how quiet it was, but I felt pretty darn good when they came home and every day last week, they were talking about how much they love their teachers, how awesome school is. So feeling very good about that. Friday, the Robertson pizza movie night was a huge success, obviously. Kiddos love a good pizza on Friday. Saturday, Cade had his first soccer practice, or excuse me, his second soccer practice of the year. So he is back in soccer mode, worked out on our new grill. So my my Father's Day gift to myself was a Kamado Joe. So if you're into smoker, grillers, these new fancy grills that are out on the market. That was my gift to myself. Some of my good guy friends are really into that. And so decided I'd throw my hat in the ring and start messing around with that. So made some beautiful chicken breasts that I was pretty darn proud of. Made a ton extra so I can keep Project Lean Gains going over the course of this week. So the grill was a huge success. And then Sunday, Kendall actually had softball. Now, I want to rewind here just for a second because... Last spring, we kind of pitched, hey, you know, you played soccer like four seasons now. Maybe we should try something else. And not that I didn't want her to ever play soccer again, but she played a lot of soccer. I was kind of tired of coaching soccer because we had the same group. And as much as I loved him, I really just want Kendall to be exposed to something else. Like I loved coaching her in soccer. I loved the girls that we were with. But again, sometimes you just want him to try something else. So we put her into softball. Didn't know how that was going to go. And man, I was very pleasantly surprised. Like she got better and better as the season went on. In fact, she had a good enough time that she wanted to play it again in the fall, which is awesome, right? So we sign her up for fall ball and then come to realize, wow, this is like pretty serious because every Sunday it's a double header. So pretty darn serious commitment to one practice during the week, double header every Sunday. So there's a lot going on, but I felt pretty 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 validated yesterday letting her do this again because she absolutely crushed it. So I pitch first inning, whatever, she strikes out. After that, she was six for six the rest of the day. So over the two games, she was six for seven. She scored runs. She had runs batted in. And the coolest part was in the second game of our double header, she actually had a walk-off triple. So when you go from not playing at all in the spring to going six for seven, your first games or your first two games in fall ball, really happy, really excited for her. So that is kind of the weekend recap. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention, doesn't really relate to the weekend, but it did happen last week. Uh, I talked uh, either last episode, two episodes ago about my boy Keelan Martin, how he absolutely crushed it in summer league. Somebody needed to give this dude a contract. And man, so excited for this guy, Minnesota came through last week. The Timberwolves signed Keelan to a two-way deal. So, man, just couldn't be happier for this kid. I've been working with him for like two years now. 
very respectful, very hard worker, spending a year overseas, refining his game, working on his body, and man, just so happy that this paid off for him, and now he's going to get a shot to make it to the league. So, Keelan, if you hear this, congrats, my guy. Super excited for you. So, that covers all of the weekend shenanigans. Now, let's talk about content. Man, been trying to do you know, my part here on the content train. So hopefully you enjoy it. Actually just got in the lab this week with my boy, Paul Rutan, shot 10 new videos. So the content train is going to continue rolling, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Instagram, make sure you're watching those. Speaking of new video this week was all about the chest supported row and chest supported rows are one of those exercises where again, people assume, Oh, it looks pretty easy. It's done on a machine. I think I know what I'm doing. And maybe that's the case. Maybe you do it exceptionally well. But I think there's always little tweaks, always little things that we can refine. So in that video, I try and give you some things to think about. You know, hey, maybe we tweak how you set up on the foot plate. Maybe we tweak your hand position. And if we do those things, do you get an exercise that works a little bit better for you? Next, we got the podcast. I checked our stats because I love kind of seeing where we're at. Obviously had a huge month in July. Right now, we're at close to 950,000 downloads. In fact, as of today, we're over 950,000 downloads. So mind-blowing to me, we're creeping up on 1 million total downloads. And when you think about, yeah, okay, fitness itself is a big niche, but strength coaching or personal training, maybe not the most massive niche in the world. So to think that we're closing on on a big number like 1 million means a lot to me. So thank you so much for your support. With that being said, Is there anybody you'd like to hear from? Maybe somebody that I haven't ever interviewed before, or maybe somebody that I interviewed in the past that you'd like to hear from again. I'd like to think I got a pretty nice lineup coming up, but obviously if there's somebody you want to hear from, I would love to hear from you. So shoot me an email, mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. Let me know who you would like to hear from. Last but not least, we're in the home stretch on the complete coach cert. I know I say that every week, but... Man, I really have been buckling down here. Got all the quizzes done last week, which doesn't sound exciting, and it's not exciting, but if you if you take the quiz, I'm laughing just thinking about some of the answers to the questions. You know, if I've got four multiple choice, you know, there's probably two legit answers. It's like a real test, but at least one most of the time is going to make you laugh, and so that's kind of part of it too. So hopefully enjoy the quizzes, the support materials. I got iFast employee Nikki to be my model for all of our progression regression charts. They look beautiful. I'll try and put a picture of them up somewhere, but man, it's really coming together, really excited about kind of the finished product because it's getting close. The final step now is all the sales materials. And I know that probably doesn't sound exciting to you. And maybe you're the person that just will unequivocally say, oh, if Mike Robertson's creating this, I'm going to buy it. But I also know and understand that not everybody thinks like that. So I have to create the sales materials, the emails, the sales page, the promo video, all that stuff so that hopefully somebody that has never been exposed to my work before sees that or reads that and thinks, man, this is something that's going to help me level up as a trainer or as a coach. So that's it for content. Now, before we get into this show, I want to give you a deep thought. And this week's deep thought is a challenge, not only to you, but it's a challenge to myself as well. And the challenge is to always find ways to challenge yourself. And I've been thinking a lot about sports here lately. And 
obviously with kids being in sports, I'm always around athletes all the time. Sports are fantastic because, you know, if you have a competitive bone in your body, the person you're going against is going to compete. And therefore, if they're going to compete, you're going to compete, right? You have other people that can constantly challenge you. But sometimes it's hard when you're not surrounded maybe in a sporting environment or in a highly competitive business environment to challenge yourself. So you have to ask, are you willing to challenge yourself? You know, and I give you two examples. I would say, are you willing to challenge yourself within your profession to become a better trainer or a better coach? And are you willing to do things outside of your profession that challenge you and that make you grow as a human being? So I talked up top about grilling, <laughs> probably longer than you would have cared to have hear about, but this is something that's really interesting to me. And it's something that, you know, I like cooking food, I like cooking breakfast, but I'm not like super jazzed about it, right? But my, some of my guy friends, Wes and Bo, they're like so obsessed with grilling. So I'm like, dude, okay, like if they're that obsessed about it, maybe I need to try this. And, you know, they've cooked over like our little brocation, mancation type weekends and damn, this is really good food. So maybe this is something I want to learn how to do. So it's something new to me, right? It's something that forces me to learn a new skill set, to learn to be a little bit more adaptable. So I think there's a lot of merit to that, right? Putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone and challenging ourselves. So taking that in a more professional direction, you know, I have to ask myself, like, what can I continue to do to raise my own bar professionally? I'd like to think I've had a decent amount of success up to this point, but I'm one of those people, I, I don't know if it's necessarily imposter syndrome or what, but 20 years in, I'm constantly thinking, okay, like, I think I know some things, but I want to get better. So I know when I'm done with basketball season this year, some things I'm going to work on. Like, I'm going to go back to basics as far as my anatomy and my biomechanics. I'm going to do a really deep dive into basketball and basically deconstructing the sport then trying to put it back together. Another one that I'm I'm really excited about is jumping. You know, and obviously this show with Chris, we talk a lot about jumping and I think it's something that, you know, I've kind of maybe taken for granted a little bit and I've trained it and I've I think found some really good ways to apply it, but I want to really deconstruct it and figure out, okay, what might I be missing here? How can I make this even better for the athletes that I work with? So, enough about me. Here's what I want you to ask yourself. How can you continue to challenge yourself, both in your professional and in your private life? And maybe it's only one thing. You don't need to find 10, 10 ways to challenge yourself, right? It's not like learn a new language, learn to play an instrument, learn how to cook amazing food. Like, no, 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 don't do that. Find one thing professionally that kind of whets your appetite a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, maybe I don't know enough about that. I want to learn about that. And then take one thing in your personal life. You know, it could be a hobby. It could be something that you enjoy doing for recreation. And, you know, it kind of comes back full circle to what we were talking about a few weeks ago, finding ways to recharge your battery. But I think you need to find ways to challenge yourself, forcing yourself to grow both in your personal life and your professional life if you want to get the most out of life itself. All right. So maybe a little bit deeper at the end than I would have hoped, but hopefully you guys can resonate with that. And hopefully, it challenges you to go out and become a better trainer, a better coach, and a better human being. So with that being said, we're going to take a quick break, talk a little bit about the complete coach certification, and then we're going to jump into the show with Chris. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. 
Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in our industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better trainer or coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will launch in September. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 off the standard price when it opens. To get on the insiders list, head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails that'll be coming very soon. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Chris Chase is the Director of Performance for the Memphis Grizzlies. In this role, he's in charge of managing the Grizzlies performance staff and weight room, writing all performance programming, and serving as one of the strength and conditioning coaches for the team. In this show, Chris and I cover a ton of topics, including the education necessary to work in the NBA, the pros and cons of tech in sport, how his philosophy has evolved since our last episode, and we open a really big can of worms. Namely, what is the role of a strength and conditioning coach? Chris is truly a forward thinker and someone I enjoy chatting with, and I can't wait for you to listen to this show. But enough for me. Let's do this. Chris, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Super excited to have you back on. For anybody that's been living under a rock, maybe didn't listen to that first show, could you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I I serve as a strength and conditioning coach now, and I I guess now thinking about it today for the past nine years. So going into nine season as a strength coach in division one sports or or pro sports so and and i say that with maybe sort of a purpose where it's like you always waited for that experience where mm-hmm. people talked about like hey man you need to have experience to really say some stuff like that and you know as time goes along it's like ma- maybe i gotta wait for the decade but you know <laughs> hopefully I'm, I'm speaking from some sort of frame of reference now more so than you know eight or nine years ago yeah so. for sure for sure and for again, those that are familiar with you, you know what's new since the last time we chatted. What's new in in the world of Chris Chase? <laughs> I I don't think they're you know it, thankfully and and I think I'm thankful because not a lot of people get to do this. But every day is is and that's a cheesy answer, but it is new <laughs> stuff and it it is motivating. Still in the situation I'm in, and and there's a lot of purpose there, and and so it's so it's cool and and. 
I talk to a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but the folks that, you know, if you're a private trainer and, and you kind of are by yourself every day and you're just having clients come in and, and that's your setup, like you do miss out on, on some of the things that we are, we are able to do the banter back and forth amongst a lot of employees because we yep. just have so many people on staff. We're yep. always able to bounce stuff back and forth because we're all in close proximity and you know you're you're we, we kind of are able to move onward and upward you know quickly in a lot of cases and have the means to do it so that's that's cool and and I'm I'm still pinching myself and you realize you're super lucky that you know get to do this in in the professional basketball environment still so yeah. so that continues to be cool that's awesome that's awesome man and just so everybody knows, like you and I had a phone call probably a couple of weeks ago. You were just wrapping up summer league, and I wish I would have hot mic'd that call because <laughs> you and I went for about seventy-five minutes straight. Uh, so hopefully, we're <laughs> going to recapture some of the magic here. And yeah, for sure, for sure. One thing I want to start with is, you know, I know a lot of young strength coaches have this dream to work in the NBA, and if that's the case, what kind of educational background do you think they need? To work there, yeah, it, and and a lot of these that you know the things we talked about are are uh, it's such a it just more interesting topics now than maybe they have been in the past, and yep. and maybe like part of this you know uh, you know talking for the second time and having a separation of a, a few years is like you know there is this this un, a lot of more unknowns like the more you the more you know the more you're like man I, I don't get what's going on at all or or at least have respect for the complexity and the variables that are involved yep. and if and and that goes for the education piece i think too and and I, I don't i don't know if i know the answer right now and because it used to be it, it you know i could maybe have given that before the carbon copy, hey, you know, go to school, get your exercise science degree, like get your bachelor's in that. It's nice to have the master's, you know, and, and that's just my track. Like do your right. thesis, like, you know, but but I don't know because we are I you know, unfortunately, I, I, you know, use this all the time, but still in this sort of renaissance of strength and conditioning where there's just a lot of different stuff, a lot of variety, people trying this, people being getting attention for this. And we don't know what's going to come out in the wash, something good, like it'll right. be good. You know, I think, I think, I think we're going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> but there is, there is a lot of silliness that is out there right now. And it, for if somebody, you know, and I think we'll talk a little bit about this too, of just like, you know, who would I hire, you know? And like, if, if the education piece, if I'm looking at that, it's like, I can't look, I don't know if I just look at the, the degrees from a school situation anymore and, and have it hold a ton of weight. And that, like, I wish that was a different answer. And yes, like, Hey, cause people could say, Hey, I've been out of school for certain nine years now. So like, what do I know? And that's true. That's true. It, it, I think it certainly is different. Uh, but I, I think part of the issue, and this is another, another piece maybe for another question, but the gray in our space is still so wide in terms of the perspective, understanding, like what, what even this is, what, what your purpose is as a strength coach. And like that allows for just a lot of, you know, uh, there's not a lot of barriers of entry and into this, we still have like spaces that don't even require like certifications or it's kind of really flimsy and some people have, some people don't, and you know, you can get away with this one. And, you know, so we're still kind of in that space, you right. know? And, and so it's, it's, it is, I think it is too messy. I wish it was cleaner when it came to like the education and then that barrier to entry to say, Oh, 
like a physical therapist or a doctor or somebody like that, like you're like, oh, I know this person is an expert on these sort of minimal standard of care things. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I don't know if that's the, the case right now. And we have to, you know, and that's another thing I think about more and more now is like, how do we narrow, how do we narrow the grit? How do we lessen the opportunity for somebody to sort of be really just way out there and they still are able to call themselves you know, a strength coach or, you know, we have such a wide spectrum. Like think of, uh, I think more than any other industry where you could say that you are saying and doing the same thing as I am, or you are in your environment or somebody in college team sports or somebody training, you know, middle-aged women or little kids. It's like, you know, you, there, there really is just not a lot of, you know, we, I know many folks have said this and, and, you know, maybe kind of end it here where like, you know, you, you are looking at a a group of, of coaches in front of you that would, that would call themselves, I think, strength coaches and have the same degrees. And like, let's just be real. Like if I kind of went through the same session with each of those people, we would have widely different experiences or I would have widely different experiences with them. And I just think it should be closer together. I don't think it should be that different. Right. No, I love that. So, this may actually kind of run seamlessly into that answer. And I realize this is not an easy question, but I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the purpose of a strength coach? What, like, what is that? What is that yeah. role? What are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I, you know, I think about this all the time and like, and how that, how that has changed. And, you know, the boilerplate answer was, you know, reducing the chance that maybe somebody would experience an injury and that's sort of you just say that as your first thing. And, and you know, it, we're just so we're so beyond a lot of this, you know, even even thinking of, of nearly a decade ago of, of being in classes and, un, OK, what is this about? What are the things I need to know? How do I be a coach and how much different it is now? And it's hard to like it's hard to just just kind of clearly maybe say what is meant and and i again i don't think i know the purpose because because you could say we could say things like very strength coachy like you know it would revolve around resistance training and and understanding how to do those things but it's like the landscape around strength and conditioning right now even doing those things i think is very poor so it's like well is it that well man i mean we hold our hat on a lot of that stuff and, and i don't even think we're we're elite at that and right. so is that our purpose if we're if we still aren't doing that at a high level or, or is it just saying, oh, there's a problem there? Like if that is a part of our purpose, loading these athletes at such a high level using the most complex exercises that you could use, squatting, deadlifting, power cleans, the style of lifting that is sort of so much a part of, you know, American strength and conditioning and team sports and all that sort of stuff. And maybe that's where I I see a change in purpose where like, you know, this is a cop out to just say, oh, man, it's like, you know, I think I've been shouting this from the rooftops for forever. So I'm beating a dead horse. But like the silliness of the power clean, bench press, squatting, deadlifting with a barbell and that barbell and dumbbells are the show is just so silly. (laughs) Like, right. 
this is we're we're not we're human beings. We're not right, and and we <laughs> we proclaim from the rooftops that we are so right with all of this stuff. And you know, thankfully, it's like now I can be like I don't care anymore. <laughs> like I, right. you know, I I can just do what I'm doing and keep the head down and just kind of go. And but I but I hope that you know I, I still there's the passion enough still there that I think we can make this space better. And I, and I maybe the point is we we do need to think about our purpose. Like for instance, the going back to the lifting. It, it is and we already know this like this has been around for a long time as american strength and conditioning coaches what's our focus we talk we are going to just talk about the weight room as fast as we can and the the spectrum of skill that you should have at a high level man it, it, nowadays it, like man you can't get away with just saying hey i lift weights with guys like right. are you kidding me like this is we are we are not good enough at an, in our application of conditioning practices. We don't understand how to teach violent things like, you know, speed, agility, quickness, change of direction, jumps, hops, bounds like we are very poor in those areas. And, and we spend so much time thinking about the lifting piece, I think. And we still go around to weight rooms. And you're, you're seeing, it's like, I think about this too. And now we're just, you know, going off on the tangent, but like for, for, for a space, I think in this country where we think so much on the lifting side, and that's like, if you're a strength coach, it's like the conversation just starts there. And then you kind of maybe tap on like jumping and speed and conditioning or whatever, sure. you know, maybe kind of, you know, a fringe part of a conversation, but we look down and we see 22 racks and platforms and it's all the same. It's like for a space, if we focus so much on lifting, wouldn't you think we would have like a bunch of different tools to like, hey, we believe that deadlifting is so important. We got to make sure that we have all the necessary pieces of equipment and we are really good at identifying and understanding how to make this exercise trainable because we believe deadlifting and squatting is so important. Yeah. But you don't see that. You just see the same sort of carbon copy approach. And maybe that again is I think we need to think about our our purpose and a lot of it does have to be outside the box and and we we have to get away from sort of these the strength and conditioning societal norms. Yeah. It's it's such a great point and hopefully it wasn't just our discussion but I think our discussion a while back kind of facilitated this but I'm actually working on like an article post whatever that just kind of revolves around this idea that the barbell is just such a crude tool. You know, it's yeah. hard. It's yeah. hard to admit. Like I came up as a powerlifter, and and I worked with football players and powerlifters. So that was like my tool of choice. So for me to say that, almost like a little piece of me dies to say <laughs> that. But yeah. at the same time, it's like just the evolution has been so natural. And, and understanding that is this a tool in the toolbox? Yes, but it's one of so many. And yeah. I think hopefully we're gonna see that come faster and faster. I know just like. The, the interns and the young coaches that I work with now or that come through IFAST, like they don't look at that the same way. It's like when they go to squat, they're just picking the squat pattern that works for them. They don't sure. feel sure. enslaved to putting a barbell on their back or putting a barbell, you know, in their hands to do a deadlift. Like they just pick what works for them. And I think that's a beautiful right. thing. And hopefully we move more in that direction. For sure. For sure. Agreed. So let's talk a little bit of philosophy here. You covered so much in that first show. I mean, literally, I think you took us through everything that you do start to finish off season, preseason, in season. And if anybody missed that, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But what I would love to hear is, you know, what's changed or evolved with regards to your philosophy since that last show? I think there are things that for sure have changed. I think they're always going to change. But 
But I think more is is uh, maybe just learning and respect over the past few years. I've been able to learn from from some awesome people and been lucky to work with those people and hopefully been open, you know, and I've, I've said this many a times, be open enough to kind of take those things on and, and, and get better. So I think more of the answer is is just continuing to get better as a coach. And the first thing I would say is, and this has been the same, is, is you know, first and foremost, you know, position and strategy matter. And, you know, I say this first because I'm like, well, how do you convey this? And like, it's like, oh, I, 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 I could say that like somebody could say that they don't believe that it matters that much. And it's like, that sounds, you know, kind of asinine to me, but, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, maybe some, but like, I have to respect that. So right. like the, the platform or the mindset I'm working from is that I do believe that position and strategy matter and strategy would also, it's like, do they have good technique when they do the thing right. that I am having them do? And, you know, I, I think those things, you know, or, or what we're trying to do with those things is, is understand what trainable is for an exercise or a speed, some sort of acceleration or change of direction or deceleration drill. What does trainable look like? And what does that mean for the player? I think it means, you know, and I've defined this before of like something that's trainable to me has, has more good consequences than some, than it has bad consequences. Understanding that bad consequences are, are always there. And what has happened, I think over the, over the past couple of years is just understanding that more and hopefully getting better and being smarter. And, and again, that took some hard conversations and being open to get better and kind of change your stripes a little bit and then understand, hey, if I believe position and strategy matter, wow, I've opened up this menu of things that I can make really, really hard and and reach and, and push towards a goal in, in a lot more ways than I think with a different philosophy and not having enough of respect for position or maybe not having an eye for what a trainable squat or deadlift or push up or something like that was and just kind of getting better at that. Now that's the reason why I'm so comfortable saying, man, miss me with a conversation about barbell back squats or power cleans. My God, I like, I I can't, if that's something that is brought up, we can't even just move on with the conversation because we're so far out of the ballpark of what I think matters. And it is because now the menu is opened up to say, okay, well, in something, you know, in some sort of split squat situation that might evolve into something that would be rear foot elevated or TRX supported one leg squat or, you know, all of these things that now because you understand position and you really not saying, hey, man, we focus on technique. It's like I said that two, five years ago. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, some of those deadlifts and squats didn't look that good. Right. <laughs> and like, and now it's like, I hope, I hope I really respect and have an eye and understanding for what I think a trainable position is for a lot of these things, especially the things that we are adding resistance to. But I tell you, like, again, it's like, I want sort of people to know or, or convey that message of like, it is really okay to get out of that barbell and dumbbell space. Like there are you can still have a ton of fun in your programming and the exercise in the sessions. It still can be very, very hard. 
but it, it takes some practice and it takes some like, hey, let me try this. Let me try that. And trust me, it, it you know, your players, your athletes will be better off for it. And it just sometimes it really won't look like the, hey, we're just doing some stuff on a platform and we're just checking the Olympic lifting box and then we're doing a couple random auxiliaries. It's it does take a bit more. Maybe maybe it's like if you're a college coach catering to like, you know, 200 athletes it's like, okay, that's, we would have to have that conversation. I don't know. Like I'm right. dealing with 15 to 17 guys. We would definitely have to like, I would love to banter back and forth on how to figure that out, you know, and, and what that would look like, I guess, in my eyes, you know, sure. if, if I were to try it in college and what am I, again, what am I trying philosophically going back to that? It's just like, I believe position and strategy strategy matter. And if those things aren't there and the exercise is not trainable, I think we're fooling ourselves. And if it's leading to a bad consequence, more bad than good, then then again, that goes back to what's our purpose? <laughs> you right, know? Like, right. And so it, and one of the things I was it reminds me of a, a conversation I was having with a coach and we were talking about a certain technique with like or certain cues that maybe are given in a defensive stance. And we we're talking about like how the cue that is given doesn't in, in my eyes, I'm looking at a defensive stance or, or somebody doing a defensive slide and that's not trainable. And why? Because there was this excessive arching and there was shoulders that were being put like in this sort of stick, you know, uh, this stick hand, it would be called maybe position or over their heads. And it's like, if we just take this position by position or joint position by position, how difficult is it for them <laughs> to get into that position and then exacerbate a situation that that's already there with maybe hyperextension or not referencing the ground, having to dump your pelvis forward, finding that false stability and then say, hey, show me shoulder flexion, abduction, internal rotation, and then stay in that position and then move laterally. It's like, right. what do we know about all of what we just did there that is pushing somebody into the sagittal plane and making them a stiffer player? So it's like, we start to you know think about these things a little bit differently of like, what is worth it? Like, what are we really trying to do? And let me swing that into the weight room and say, hey, un unfortunately, man, it's like, again, I don't care because I'm sick of seeing it. But you just see too many deadlifts around the country, around the world that it's like we don't know how to do it yet. <laughs> like, right. It, it, it's too poor poorly done and executed in too many situations where people are claiming that they are specialists, strength and conditioning specialists. Right. And that is like, what's worth it? Like, let's just say the, hey, the sagittal plane example of like, this is a sagittal plane lift that, you know, for your track and field athlete, hey, you can get away with it because you're just sprinting forward in a hundred meter dash. And that's our easy example. A multiplanar athlete that has to change direction, that has to understand how to control their body and dribble a basketball and react quickly, of course they need to be strong and they need to have muscle. We know that those things are important. But man, like let's let's understand what's really worth it here. And if you are uncomfortable knowing what a trainable deadlift looks like, I don't. It doesn't need to be done. <laughs> you know, yes. it's oh, it is okay, guys. Like I think you should, man. If you are calling yourself a strength and conditioning specialist, man, I really think you should be able to teach a trainable deadlift. But I still, I mean, guys, I still am hearing like like players and people are like, hey, my back. It's like, oh man, these are really killing my back. It's like, oh my man, that's not. That's not what this should be, you yeah, know, like that's not just, okay. Yeah. Or just seeing it's like, oh, that's the way that you are being taught to do this. And you just think that this is a consequence of doing deadlifts. It's like, 
man, we come on, we got to be way better than this. If we're trying to argue about like, man, deadlifts are the foundation and we got to do this. It's like, well, we should be really good at it. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. So it's like, and I'm not going to say I'm the best either. It's like, let's, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll take any call and like, be like, you can shout at me saying you're the best at it. And I could learn from you, you know, right. please do. <laughs> it's yeah. like, we just, we just need to be better for sure. Well, and I think you hit on a great point really early on in that, that kind of answer, because one of the things that I find is always happening for me is I'm always refining what I call my movement model. And I don't think like, look, how many people have you talked to that say move movement quality, right? It's part of my philosophy. Mm. It's like to the point where you just like roll your eyes, like, cause everybody says that cause nobody's going to raise their hand and say, I believe in just moving really poorly. Okay. Right. So, so that's step one there, but it's like, now I really want to press upon that issue. Okay, movement quality is important to you. Good, it is to me too. Now explain to me what that means. Like, mm-hmm. what, is, what does a good squat look like to you? Because again, this is where we could be on totally different ends of the spectrum. If you got a guy that specializes in powerlifting and trains football players, his idea of a model perfect squat looks totally different, I think, than what you or I would describe for the sure. athletes that we work with. So that's something that I think is really going to be something we need to focus on going forward. Hey, man. I love it. We all can agree that movement quality is important. Now, what does that mean? And furthering right. that discussion and peeling back some of those layers so that we are all talking, you know, even if we don't agree, at least we're all talking and having the same conversation. Right. For sure. So another piece that you hit on there is we've seen it as well. Kid comes in or an adult athlete comes in, whatever, and their back hurts right? Oh man, my back hurts every time I deadlift or my knees or hips hurt when I squat, whatever. So accountability is something that, you know, is super important in our industry. And I love seeing that strength coaches are being paid more and more each year. But do you think that ever negatively influences maybe our desire to grow and evolve? It's like, hey, you're well fed. Like, do you you think we as an industry could get complacent? Yeah, yeah. And that's, I I think, you know, even what we were talking about before and kind of going into this accountability piece, you know, there is a little bit of frustration there. And that I know that comes out in some of like my thoughts and responses of, you know, the, if we swing it into accountability and, and some of the frustration comes from the fact that, yeah, man, like this is, I mean, sorry, but yeah, people are getting paid a lot of money to do this. And, you know, and I know it's still a a wide spectrum, but the funny, almost comical, you know, like ESPN catching it every year and other, you know, media coverage of these football strength coaches, that's an easy example, just because they're out there, you know, and, and they are characters and, and people that, you know, are, they're publicized. It's like, I'm not saying that anything that's private information, like publicized salaries that are, you know, that are half a million dollars. And, you know, I, it's like, Hey, you know, maybe it's a touchy subject when you start talking about money, but it's like, we should just be better. Like if (laughs) if this is the amount of money that, you know, or, or there, and there should be some structure in place to hold people accountable. It's like, that's great that we could, you know, there's, there's an importance obviously in society and this love and knowledge of what exercise and physical fitness and training can do for everybody, you know, not only athletes, but just people in general. So all these jobs are out there. And if, if we're, if people are saying, man, it is this important where a strength coach is signing a contract in sports for over a million dollars over the course of their career. Like if you think about it that way, it's like, 
well, man, I think they should, I think everybody should kind of have a better certification or at least be certified, Let's, right. you know, maybe even start there. But it's like, if, if we were, if it was just like, you are, we're having a podcast between just two weight room monitors, you know, if we just kind of like you walked into a gym and, and we turned the lights on and we, and we, you know, disinfected the benches and it's like, Oh, this was like a paid internship position. It's like, okay, that's one thing, man. Like, but man, there's a significant amount of importance and attention and prestige being thrown around for these people that are talking about, you know, strength coaches as experts and, and, and paying them these significant sums. So it's hard to say, like, I realize I'm, I think I'm well aware of like, you know, the counter could be like, we, we continue to get rewarded for what we are doing. So if I, we went back to the purpose like I think their purpose would be much different than I would talk about. Like the things would just be different, but they have been rewarded for their purpose. So it's like, what are, what can I say? You know, right. like I can't, I can't like, I have that belief, but I understand that somebody else because of how they have been rewarded could have another belief. And it's, and then because, and this is where it's like, man, I'm, I'm hat in hand, man, I'm asking for help. Like, because this, this, is such we have such a huge gray area of interpretation of like what is good what is bad what our purposes our roles as motivators our roles in our intelligence that we would apply to this it's like what accountability structure could even be put in place and there's kind of these sad realizations where like it's it 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 is messy and sometimes I, you know, you throw up your hands and are like, well, you know, at the end of the day, maybe it just is what it is and it isn't about the intelligence you apply, but it is more of this persona thing. But it's like, I mean, I, I don't believe that. It's like, this is, you know, I use the, the doctor example a little bit before, but if you are a doctor making rounds, going to a patient, you would open up a file and you would look at their chart and you would look at history of things that have gone on with that patient in front of you. And you would use your, the things you would be using would be your intelligence and your education and things that you have to know as sort of this minimal standard of, of intelligence and skill. And you would then have to understand a lot of things based on science as we would as well. And be able to then prescribe some sort of intervention or some sort of course of care for that person or God forbid, like a surgery that would need to be done. Man, that is all about your education and how well that you can do your job and you are judged and rated on that. And you are also judged after that on maybe bedside manner or maybe what your personality is. And that does matter. I get it. But that's not the job. Like that is not, that is very far from what you would get hired to do, at least for me. Like if I, if you're on my staff, like you are not getting hired, the personality piece matters. That has to be checked. But the questions that you would be getting initially are very much about your intelligence and your skill because that, that's what I'm worried. Like I've heard right. the opposite. I hear people saying, Hey man, I'm just worried about this person being a good guy. And then we could just take it from there. It's like, <laughs> no man, I'm worried about this. Like you, you it's, people are going to have like 200, 300 pounds that they are trying to move around. You know, right. it's like we, you should be very good at your job. And I know some people would say like, it's like, man, maybe it just hasn't taken, been taken that seriously, or we just haven't had the understanding of like some of the consequences of what bad can be in the strength and conditioning space. And, yes. and that's good that that's evolving. Like, and yeah. that's, so that's a good piece. But again, same with talking about the, the purpose of a strength coach. It's some of the point is, is that I'm 
fully open that I don't know that like the how do how do you fix the accountability piece? You could say, oh, well, we should have a governing body and we should have a certification. It's like, okay, well, I mean, we have those things, you know, right. so it's like, oh, well, we got to make them better. Oh, well, I don't know. What does that mean? You know, and and then you say, get strength coaches in a room and say, hey, you know, this is how I would teach a squat and go through it and then go back and forth about joint positions and this and that. And then somebody could say, hey, I just read a research article that back squat like in is the best way to increase strength. And it could be like, oh, okay, like, you know, like <laughs> that's so far, like, again, there's such a wide spectrum of gray that it's like, I could go through or you or, you know, Eric Otter and like, be like, oh, this is what I believe is like, what I think is a good squat and how I would teach it and the positions I would put somebody in. And it's like, think about that explanation versus like, what could be explained by somebody who also calls themselves a strength coach to another coach, that coach could just be like, Hey man, I believe in squats. It it is the best way to get our guys stronger. It's like, think of the difference of what those two explanations would be. And that's, again, like I said before, that's too far apart. That's too dissimilar in my mind. And, And what's worse, think about how confusing that is to an athlete or maybe a sport coach who doesn't have this background, Mm -hmm. right? Like both, both of us, me and powerlifting guy, we could have very convincing arguments and we could have whatever like people behind us say, oh yeah, that guy really knows what he's doing. But again, be coming at things from a totally different perspective. Yeah, agreed. And, and unfortunately in that's, we need the, the cries of we need to be better are, are because of that, because we can't beat around the bush anymore. It's just like, you know, we have to be able to look at stuff and be like, guys, what, what are we doing here? Like, you know, I know we love some of the stuff, like you were saying before, the powerlifting example. It's like, yes, I have, I will always say, like, I enjoy doing the Olympic lifts and the variations of all those things because it's fun. And, right. you know, guys, we just have to move on from this whole, like, we are using another sport to try to train another sport. It's like, come on. <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, again, and, and this is maybe I was going to mention this before with like the, the candidate of like, you know, what is or what, you know, I think we're missing with like the strength and conditioning coach is like the teaching of jumps, hops, speed, agility, quickness, change of direction. It's like we will banter for hours about weightlifting and the use of a power clean or whatever. <laughs> And it's like, nobody can have an eloquent, there's not a lot of folks that would have an eloquent, intelligent conversation about all of these other things that look way more like sports that have way, I think a better chance because again, we don't know if any of this is transferring. And it's like, (laughs) if you're, if you're trying to give me a definitive answer on that, come on, man, like, you know, a deadlift, which looks very far from, or squat or push up, which looks very far from something that is done in a lot of these sports. Let's just be honest that we're taking a chance. So we probably should do this stuff really well because we don't even know if it's even having an effect. And well, maybe somebody could come back and say, well, we could do it bad because we don't know if it's having an effect either. (laughs) Right. it's like the things, again, going back to the weightlifting, the things that look way more like the sport, and I'm not fighting for Mr. Sport specificity here, but the things that, you know, and I've talked about this before with speed, agility, quickness work is a huge part of our program and teaching acceleration mechanics, teaching max V upright running, teaching guys the components of jumps and hops and really slow cooking and educating and trying to adjust and improve strategy and to make those things trainable. And if, you know, if you're stuck having that conversation about like, you know, doing power cleans and testing squats and whatever the hell, you know, it's like, man, 
we got to move on. You guys right. got to, you guys got to look at, and I know, man, I know like there's some, there are, I'm painting, painting a broad brush and there's some, you know, coaches out there that are, are doing some great stuff. No, no question about it. But you know, I, I, I'm just speaking of what perspective of what I'm seeing in front yes. of me. Like I am there, I am visually, I, with my own eyes are seeing all the time, other players, athletes, coaches, and I see what they are doing right in front of me. And it's like, man, I, I think we, we got to be better. You know, yeah. it just, it doesn't look, we, we are not applying, I think, things in an intelligent enough way in accordance with the prestige and the level that other folks are, are saying that you are an expert. Like there's too much of this, like, you know, expert being thrown around. Yeah. Like, I mean, God forbid sports scientists getting thrown around and it's like, man, you, Ooh, that you should be able to impress me right, <laughs> if you are right. if you are claiming that stuff and it's like i don't see a lot of impressive stuff you know yeah. and and we should like wouldn't it be cool like yes. that would be way better guys like there would be way more fulfillment if if we could be really impressive with the measure of like what people are perceiving if you know the money again that is getting thrown around and people saying hey i've got this great strength coach i want that to mean something more <laughs> right you know? right so and i i'm hopeful i know it will and it, it'll take some time but it's, it's growing it's pains. going in the right direction yeah it's, it's growing, growing pains. in the right direction so another area that i definitely want to touch on since i got you here is the subject of technology and sport as it's obviously this massive up and coming area so with that being said, what problems are you seeing with tech right now? And perhaps more importantly, because I just don't want to be negative Nancy about this, how can we continue to use it better? How can we continue to refine how we use it to get better results? Yeah, huge, huge. And, and that's, you know, I, I definitely wanted to, to talk about this. It gets talked about all the time in, in this professional sport space and you know especially basketball i think every pro, pro league has their own version of things that just kind of sweep through the league and what everybody starts to use because you're just kind of keeping up with the joneses but you know I, I keep saying it's hard it's hard to convey this and and you know we're always i'm always thinking it's like man what percentage of people are really gonna you know understand this in the way or have the you know i'm conveying this message where they're going to understand it in the way that i intend and that that's i don't you know, with technology, I don't want to be the stereotypical, like if I'm saying something about being a strength coach and like, man, we really, you know, the things that got us here in strength and conditioning, we just need to be better at those things first. Right. And if, if a piece of tech could complement that, then I think that of course is something to be explored. But I, I get the vibe right now. And again, I'm speaking from just the space that I'm in is, you know, we, we do, and, and some people just get stuff because the, you know, maybe a GM or an owner wants to get something and, you know, you end up having a piece of tech in there, but you know, a lot of, even just force plates, you know, we're, everybody is okay. Basketball makes sense. Let's get a force plate and we're going to, you know, do counter movement jumps and, or test on this force plate. And man, I think a lot of times of what I'm seeing is something like that coming in. And for instance, we're, we're using this for readiness and right. that's, that's like the first thing you use it for. And it's like, really like, you know, I'm, I'm a strength coach. The first thing I thought was performance. Like <laughs> right. I, I see, I see basketball players who look pretty awful doing a counter movement jump. And because I believe that strategy and position matter, I have to check that first 
before I could start saying, oh, yeah, let's use this as a measure of readiness. Right. And, and it's like we, we have beaten away at counter movement jump strategy for a good while now as a staple in our program. And it's like we're still, you know, there's still things to be done. <laughs> and like, right. To It's like with pieces of tech, I think we are choosing this journey or route to take or use for this piece of tech that is is a little off. It's like, don't you have if, if you had in your bag these elite this elite knowledge as a strength and conditioning specialist to teach people how to jump and you saw somebody in front of them, you could assess that it's like, ooh, that's a that's an interesting strategy. I could improve that. Man, we should have that in our bags. We should know that it's like, okay, like let's get let's get to that first. And maybe you could say, hey, these are adults, the pro athletes, it's hard to change. Hey, dude, they're they're 19, 20, 21 years old in a lot of cases, and they've trained for a year. Their training age is still like zero. <laughs> right. You know? I think I think you can make some changes. I know they're adults, but it's like they're still you can make you can change some of these dudes. I think simply because their training age is, is so low. And yeah. again, it, it's like, you know, the, the Nord board and it's yes. like, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to, to know everything about the Nord board, but I, I do think that's just an example of a technology that you want to just kind of sweep the, the land with and not really ask questions and say, Oh, well, we're going to test on the Nord board, but it's like in basketball, how many, I mean, this is the classic stupid answer. It's like every, it, how many hamstring injuries do you see? Like, are you seeing, you know, a league that is inundated with hamstring injuries? And are you going to take time out of that person's day to be assessing? Like, I know, and maybe you could say, Hey, this is our way of assessing readiness or all that sort of stuff. And it's like, man, I don't know. That's, that's really far. Right. <laughs> What like how did you get there? You know, it, and when you see a sport that is dominated by you know these Achilles tendon or just tendinous issues in general, and things that are happening at the knee and the ankle and at backs, rarely are you seeing something happening at a hamstring. But then you invest in a piece of technology that is doing just that, and that piece of technology you have to take time with your athletes to then test in that. And it's like what look the, have the longest view in the room. It's like are you, is that, what are you doing with that information? You know, and, and I know we're all guilty of it, you know, get into a space, don't have experience and just kind of, Hey man, I got this money. I'm just going to order this piece. Yes. Uh, but, but here is here. And, and I think here is even maybe the bigger piece. And this is where it's hard to convey because I don't want to make it sound strength coachy. Like I am all for the use of technology, but what I have seen is, you know, we talked about this before, or maybe the thought of like with somebody you would want to hire is like work rate. Like what is your rate of productive work each day? And if you have a piece of tech that is included in something that you are going to have to do daily maintenance on. And, you know, I, I have used like the example before of like the piece of tech that you go in and the person doesn't know how to turn it on. Like the, I love looking at a piece of tech. And when I go into the piece of tech and look in like the names, none of the athletes are loaded in there. Cause you're always, it's like, that you're always, you, you get a piece of technology and it's like, okay, you have a team of 15, you are going to test them. It's like, right. if you are testing them, you have, all right, I got to make sure I'm loading the team up because this is a part of our process. It's going to end up getting used on a consistent basis. And you just see, it's like, oh, well, oh, this isn't working, I guess. Oh, you know, oh, and it's like the, the team's not even in there. It's like, maybe it has been dusted off once in a while. And, and I know that's the, the easy one. I, that's the layup answer with, with tech. So I don't want to be that guy that's just complaining, but guys like daily work, daily acquisition of worthwhile information. Like I'll give you, and this is the example and this is why, and it like, it, I don't want to be like, Oh, this is, that should be everybody's day. But for instance, 
have some sort of testing, have a process for testing. If this is an example day and you know, if I'm, if there's some sort of, you know, screen being done, functional movement screen or Y balance or something, it's like, okay, where are you documenting that? Is that process in place? How quickly does that get to our, you know, sports science person? He, he knows that that input, that data gets inputted into something that is our ubiquitous platform that people can see video that is taken throughout the session. Okay. Where does that video get dropped to? And then at what point in the day, because it has to be daily or you're just right. going to get lost. Are you taking that video from where everybody dumped it? And then am I editing that? maintaining this log of like, okay, what are things looking like for this player? What are exercises? Where are they at? You know, as your video complement, what notes are you writing on a program that you just did? Do you have consistent programming and documentation on that programming? Again, think of the doctor in the, in the case file or the chart, you know, how we should be such elite documenters. And I think we're pretty poor at that. Right. Are you, you know, that work of, making sure that information is on a piece of paper and then going to where it needs to go. For us, a lot of that stuff does go on to like a, a platform, an online platform, testing that it gets done. Again, if I'm, you know, doing force plate testing and there's, you know, footage or video footage from a couple different angles, it's like, you know, right now I have to take that. I have to edit that and put splice that together and make sure that's done in a timely enough way. So two months down the line, we're not saying, Oh, should we test this person again? Or like, what, uh, <laughs> do we have a Y balance on this guy? And like, right. But it's like, that doesn't take like a ton of tech. Like what are we using every day that is a part of the process? And then have you delegated enough time and or in your day where you are consistently, you know, grabbing that information, putting it where relevant, all the relevant parties can see it, digesting it making changes in the programming. And if you are getting a piece of tech that has a computer attached to it for, for no reason and you're, and all that information goes to a cloud and you, you don't see it, you don't know how to interpret it. it, it it's like, you know, we're shouting about like, you know, coefficients of variances and this isn't relevant and that's not valid. And it's like, yo, teach this dude how to jump test <laughs> the beginning of the summer consistently te when you are, it's like, you know, this and this is where it just <laughs> starts getting to be a rant. But it's like, you know, test somebody on a force play. Like we should know enough to look at something on a force play and say, hey, we should we could attack this like we could add in more, you know, in our in my programming is like grounded counter movement work. And, and we could overload an eccentric portion of your counter movement jump for a period of time and then test it again. And just look at whatever you choose as your eccentric indicator measure that indicates success. And it's like, that's performance stuff, man. Because in that time, I taught that person how to better posterior weight shift. I taught that person how to sink his arms with his legs. I taught that person how to pull themselves into the bottom of that jump. We worked on how deep that jump would be. So we said, hey, you know, maybe we should be a bit shallower so you can do things a bit quicker. You're taking a little bit too much time turning into maybe a squat. It's like, listen to all the, aren't those things that we are all like, oh yeah, like that's what we should be doing. It's like, you have so, you should have so much in your bag to be able to then say, Hey man, we've been messing around for these two weeks. Let's, let's hop back on the force plate. I'll video this. We'll look at the numbers 
let's see what we got, you know, and then I can show you the video the next day. We can look and see if it got better right on the software. And it, it's like, I know everybody doesn't have a force play. And so there's another, uh, there's a million examples, but that is just consistent work. I think that falls in the cheesy, you know, Hey, it takes hard work. It's like, right. you know, force play is an expensive piece of technology for sure. And it's like, so I'm saying we have one. So it's not like I'm saying we don't use any, any technology, but like, I think we're getting caught up in just some weird stuff, you know, yeah. and caught up and maybe it's cause we, again, we should have more in our bag, like of what we can, what we can train there. I mean, there is so much to measure and we're lucky that it's like, you know, there's a sports scientist in place and there's, there's has been this ability to make this platform that we can then dump all this stuff on and kind of visually see everything that's going on. And so then it's like, well, whatever we're measuring, it's like if we're measuring ankle dorsiflexion or we're measuring consistently for jump or hop for a player or a 10 meter sprint, it wants you, you know, and that's why it's like, okay, like I get if you're saying like, man, that sounds tough. It's like, okay, like it took a while to get here because when there's a platform that I can see for an athlete, hey, this is how they performed in this certain thing over time and then see video footage of that thing. And just kind of have this continuing auditing of like what I'm seeing with my eye, what is changing here, maybe what is not changing. Yeah. And then, you know, now we're just kind of going back into the, the programming piece and then allowing that to complement your program. Like if you are testing something, then I mean, obvious one, I should see it in your program. Like how right. are you improving that 10 meter sprint? And and that's where maybe the readiness piece with a lot of stuff is is man, exercise, what we do just right now in general is already flimsy, let alone saying like, oh, well, let's hop on this force plate or, oh, well, let's do this. It's like the same, it's the same with, you know, testing reactive jumps or hops. It's like, you should have so much in your bag to be working on how that person interacts with the ground consecutively with one jump or hop after another. And but I mean, if you are looking at somebody and just say, hey, just repeatedly jump and you don't have anything in your bag to say to them about improvements, again, that's why it's like we should be getting better. And then if you test it, like I remember getting caught up so much in like, well, should we test four jumps? Should we test like, you know, a bunch like 10 jumps? Is, is it a drop jump? Is it blah, blah, blah? And it's like, like hey, test, go, right. bet on yourself that if you are doing things in your programming, which we are, you know, which we are trying to change how they interact with the ground or improve ankle stiffness, foot position, more dorsiflex position, how stiff they can keep their legs, how they control themselves and jump and land in one spot without shifting in one direction or the other, how they add their arms into that, like and how they then do that transitly as they move forward. It's like, man, you got a lot of things that you could, that you can mess with. But and we're just saying, hey, we got to just jump map, you know, so I can test a four jump and a four hop and I can watch the video of of how they did it. And, you know, this is another, you know, this is the the tangent, but like another piece has been filmed, like one of the best things that if somebody was like, okay, from a continuing education standpoint, what has been the most valuable thing in the past year, it's been learning how to use Final Cut (laughs) (laughs) in all in all honesty. And I've said that to a bunch of people where it's like, that is serious, like you know, being able to edit, like just not having like a video software, like a basketball person in the film room, like they have to chop up video and then kind of understanding, like we have to watch film, like, right. you know, sounds silly, but like we have to watch training film. And, and I, like our players sit down with coaches to kind of watch individual film for a period of time. You got to kind of pick your spots to be able to do that with, with players. I mean, that has been the show, like 
being able to like it's displaying information is a huge key in making a program better. And that's why everybody has these like platforms, you know, to, you know, the Kinducks of the world and all that sort of stuff. But also like learning how to edit video and chopping up video and having that a part of your training process with a player, I think is huge. And yeah. the things that we cue, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of, of being an over cure and, you know, having a guy work on too many things. And, you know, what saves me is I it's like, OK, let me just show you because I know I probably just was too wordy with you. And, and that went over your head. Yeah. But let me have a really good process and infrastructure to throw a video from last week's testing up on a big screen and say, hey, let's watch this for a second. And it be in slow motion, in a high resolution, like you, you can do so much. <laughs> like, and, it, right. and it has been it has been super valuable, especially over time where it's like, you know, what if you choose the testing that doesn't improve and you're watching over time that like, eh, I don't know if I'm seeing anything. But I think what we've seen, for instance, with like reactive jumping or hopping is like, man, if you watch the video footage of testing over time, then you understand like what has happened, you know, and somebody that is super wild and all over the place on a hop, for instance, and, you know, just landing on their toes and whatever, a strategy that we look at like out of control, maybe that number was good. And then it decreased over time with maybe contact time being different, but it's because of the things that we're working on and because position and strategy matter. So we had to complement it with that footage to be able to really hammer home these points, you know, (laughs) and that takes time. And that like that's maybe going back to the technology question. It's like that's my iPhone. You know, that that is like literally the everything I film is on an iPhone XR, which the XR has an unbelievable camera. And then these two fifty dollar action cameras that are not GoPros, but some off brand GoPro that everything, every testing we use, we just like are taking two angles of testing. And it's like, is it is it 3D motion capture? No. I mean, it's like, are we is that on the horizon? I don't know. Maybe. But it's like. Right now, we just have to do something. Like I have to be acquiring really good information. And most of that information revolves around training. It's performance related. I'm not a scientist, dude. Like I just, I think I have a lot in my bag when it comes to, hey, how can we help you from a performance standpoint without without it being like messing you up, you know? And it's like, that doesn't make me a scientist. You know, using a force plate does not make me a scientist knowing probably more about GPS monitoring than those who are claiming to be scientists around the league. It's not, does not make me a scientist. And that I think just makes you a strength coach that is now using different pieces of technology to objectively assess. And that's a great thing. But remember before GPS monitoring, we get great information from minutes played and RPE. And you could be doing that right now. And that's, I think maybe it's a generational thing that, and it's like, I can't really say as the old curmudgeon, like, oh man, kids these days, <laughs> but maybe if you got straight out of college and somebody said, oh, we have catapult. I don't know. Maybe you would be like, you never, like you would never have used RP or minutes and known that you could kind of use that in a lot of situations or have two $300 just jump mat, or, you know, you have an iPhone that you could just take video footage of. It's like, 
you know, use there's things at our disposal that that are really use. Everybody has Kaiser machines. Like, what are we doing with those? Like, right. what numbers? What numbers are you documenting from that? You know, like, right. you could do a million different things on those pieces of, of machines that are so popular now that most people have before you would need a, a force plate or, or something like that. You know, so it's interesting, man. I, I, I hope like. I definitely, I, I think there's, and this is a whole nother conversation with just like weight room facilities. I think facilities should look different. Like we're, we're so ingrained in this racks and platforms and then everybody kind of following the leader when it comes to, you know, force plates and GPS monitoring and, you know, things, you know, to assess jumping. And, you know, it's like, I, I'm, man, I've made my share of mistakes when it comes to getting technology for sure. But, you know, it's like, I think wanting to convey that message that, what has served me the best over the past, you know, couple years has been has been performance related stuff and great record keeping and auditing sessions every day and watching film with players and having a process in place and a training menu that we follow. And when you document stuff and like when you're really good at that and you and you are able to look back on the year kind of year in review. And I know people with more athletes are like, you know, probably nodding their heads being like, there's no way that and I know it's tough. But man, it's a much more fulfilling thing if you can just if you could look more look at more than like sets reps and, and weights increases like it's it's a much more fulfilling position and it, it lends itself to a lot of learning and like, oh, maybe we did this. Maybe we could try this, you know, so right. more order with this, not too much silliness right now. I think it's like that's why. <laughs> That's why social media kind of lost its luster and that's been like out of the game for a while because just a lot of silliness of just like just random guys like, man, you're getting paid. People are getting paid like doctors and lawyers and like, you know, these division one, you know, basketball strength coaches and professionals and football people like, man, like, come on, like this is not a circus act like this is this could be very purposeful if done intelligently. Like, let's let's focus on that. Like, that's I think it'll be way more fulfilling if we're having like if we're playing the long game and we think about it that way. I love it, man. So let's just put it all out there. What are you looking for in a new hire? (laughs) Yeah, I I think. And, and, you know, uh, full disclosure, I had I had my notes on this. So (laughs) because I I do again, I think it's a it's just a good way to non-threateningly maybe convey like if somebody's in front of me, this is what I'm thinking for somebody that I can think that I would think would be a, do a good job in, in pro sports. And, you know, I said this before of understanding how to make an exercise trainable and put people in good positions and respecting that, knowing what that means, understanding what simple means in the context of, of strength and conditioning. And, and we've talked about that ad nauseum as well. And being willing to to know and go there, and you know there there is the uh, maybe the 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 coach that gives you the blank stare of just like I can't just start with this barbell complex and like just kind of roll there. It's like man, there's there's so much more that we that we need to understand when it comes to making something simple. And I've talked about the respect for good machines or pieces of equipment that you know at the at the end of the day, most of what we do is figuring out a way to provide support to an exercise to make that exercise trainable for the players that I work with. And and I have to get into my bag and respect the fact that come hell or high water, I have to make this trainable. And I really, and I know that the only way that's going to happen is if I am okay with providing support for this player in this exercise. We touched on the like elite record keeper and, and consistent chaser of relevant objectivity. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, the consistency is, is the huge piece there. And you know, it, it does have to be done every day. And I've touched on that of, you know, if it doesn't, if you don't, it, then I think it doesn't matter. Like if, if, 
you know, if there is too much non-purposeful, you know, stuff that's not getting measured or not, you know, there's not an understanding of, or we don't really know the effect that that's having on a person. It's like, man, not, none of this is going to matter. And, and it should, like, it really should, but we need to be purposeful every day. And if we need to be purposeful every day, like the person who is, you know, the motivating coach, it's like, oh, I am purposeful every day. I'm a mentor to these guys. Like, right. you know, I, I help these guys grow into men and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, man, I, I get it. But it's like, that's not the person that would be able to work in this environment. And, and so maybe that, that's how I could put it, you know, understands the purpose of, of added, adding load and what, you know, load and stress are in that example. And I've said before, it's like, you know, you, we may just be load monitors of the sport, you know, at some point in the future of like, maybe we're lucky enough to objectively determine what matters when it comes to resistance training or something like that, or a measure of the amount of, you know, muscle mass or whatever it is, we're able to kind of nail down and just kind of check that box. But the biggest size of the pie, like this is a skill sport. And this is the easy example with basketball is like, you know, it might just be about monitoring loading over time. And maybe it is, maybe it's not GPS monitoring. Maybe it's some other way that it's done, but like that might be the show. So you are understanding that just general tissue, body loading and stress. Like, what does that mean for these guys? And like, do you have respect for that? Like, like if I had somebody in front of me, like, talk to me about that. Like what you know to be like the purpose of a stressor and you know i've used this before where it's like we are the only member on staff that is telling a player hey come into this room we're going to add more stress to you after you do that <laughs> right. practice we are the only member of the support staff that are stress adders an athletic trainer is not a physical therapy of course physical therapist is but you know, a, somebody, a lot of these positions are like, okay, I'm trying to come to you to reduce the amount of tissue stress or things that I'm dealing with. And we are adding it. And so if we are adding it, like, I think we really, we really should know what the purpose of, again, this is. And, and that goes back to the purpose of, of a coach. It's like, I think if you are coming in and you're, you know, talking about your, again, power clean progressions or like, you know, numbers and weight lifted of certain exercises or players that I had players deadlift this or I whatever, whatever. And again, it's predominantly weight room talk. And, you know, we don't talk much about conditioning or like basketball loading or what the sport actually does for them or what's needed in the sport, like our role and, and all of that stuff. That is a huge conversation to be respected. And what would you say to that? Like if I asked you or talked to you about that in an interview, like what would be your response? And I think I would be looking for something that because of our strength and conditioning societal norms right now, I'd be looking for something that would be outside of the box based on kind of what I would expect out of like some answers, you know? Yep. So I think the other pieces are all of the other work that I touched on before that I think we're, we're pretty subpar at like, you know, how we teach a lot of things that more are more aggressive movements. And if, you know, take me through a session, like take me through, if you were to coach me right now and I would want to be impressed by a speed session that you took me through. Like if you're, you know, if you're trying to be a, a, a head strength coach in the NBA and you're looking around and like, Hey, I want some of that. I want some of that action. I want some of that cash. It's like, you should be very impressive. And, you know, again, it's like, there's so much gray. What does that even mean? Right. You know, cause everybody'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty damn impressive. And I can be like, <laughs> well, not that, you know, that, that was all fairly silly, but you know, and that's why we could just keep talking back and forth. But anyway, I think, 
you know, what is in your bag when it comes to speed, agility, quickness work and conditioning work and, and how you like, what could you bring on court? Like if you were speaking to a basketball coach, what would you say to them? Would you say something to them about their bench press? Or would you say something to them about film that you have watched and steps or footwork or force production or movement patterns or drills that you could do that is going to help that person. It's like you could talk to them about how much stronger they are getting in a general sense, but what drills have you done? And this is where it's like, this is why I film everything. Cause I can always break out film of a drill that's showcasing something of what this coach is talking about and say, Hey, we're, we're working this right now. Does this look like what we're talking about? Like what else? It's like, Oh, well, footwork or, you know, why are they getting beat or why do they foul somebody all the time? It's like I should have something in my bag when it comes to a step I can teach them or an angle of push or a weight shift. You know, one of the things that I think is plaguing the NBA right now is, you know, I, we talked about this a little bit. I think the primary one of the primary things we do, at least with the population I work with, is reduce players feelings of falling over. And <laughs> right. I think they live they live in that state of like almost catching themselves from from falling over. So think about NBA, which is like the I mean, James Harden's the easy example of just like, you know, if if I'm talking to a basketball coach and we're talking about deceleration work that I have done, what is the purpose of my deceleration work? And then decelerate to a contesting a shot or something like that. Mm-hmm. I should be able to teach that person to reduce and stop their forward momentum and then have enough stability where they could jump and land in the same spot without drifting forward and landing, which would be a foul, like landing in the zone, not giving a chance to put for the player to land or forward momentum that you couldn't stop. So now you just lean in basketball. We know now guys are just kind of going underneath and getting that foul call because you're encroaching. It's like, man, don't you think we could really affect that? Like we could really train an athlete's ability to control forward momentum. That is what the name of the game with all this movement training, change of direction, XL, D-cell work is. And like watch basketball. Like that is the that is what is plaguing. It is fouling a jump shooter or can't get forward momentum. And then James Harden, Steph Curry, those guys go by you, you know? Right. And so we, I mean, I use the example of the defensive stance, the cueing, what are we cueing in a defensive stance? And it's like, if you didn't have respect for position, then you would look at that and just be like, oh, whatever. You know, I look at that now and I say, hey, we're just jamming them. Like, it's like if, if a coach says, oh, well, they are limited they're in their lateral quickness. Well, it's like, if they're limited in their lateral quickness, why are we trying to jam them into a sagittal plane yes. dominant position where they can't move in multiple planes? You know, yes. it's that's that's what I'm looking for in a strength coach. Like, do you have that? Like, what are you going to say? Like, right. what you what can you bring to the table that is valuable? And I'm telling you, it's far more than the sliver that is that is the weight and resistance strength. I love it, man. All right, my guy, I know your time is precious, so I'm going to hit you up with this lightning round. Uh, Your answer can be as long or as short as you like, but I'm really excited to hear your answer on this first one. How did it feel winning that ship in Vegas this year, baby? (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, Vegas is, is summer league is an interesting, is an interesting thing. And you know, in when you're in the NBA circle or working in that space and it is, it is a long time to spend in Vegas. We actually went to Utah and did the Salt Lake City Summer League before doing the Vegas Summer League. So it ends up being, you know, like a 15 day or 16 day, you know, the from from start to finish. And 
it's one of those things where you kind of get towards the end and you say like, hey, if we're here, we might as well, we might as well win this, win this whole thing. And like that's, I mean, of course, that's, you know, I have nothing to do with that, but but the players kind of having that mentality. And of course, like if we always forget that if we were competitors, it's like we're thinking like, oh my God, I've been in Vegas for forever. But, you know, if you're on a court and competing against another team, it's like they're, they're still, it, that's what was cool about it is like you kind of have that cool championship feel and the mood that everybody has when you win a yeah. game like that is like that's that's why it's still fun you know and we all know this of like working in team sports like that's you know it's like i know it's like i i have perspective to know that i have very little to do with all that and i'm totally okay with that and to just be at the fringe outside and just be able to kind of watch closely in a celebration or a cool yeah. nba moment it's like that's that's the show you know that that's the golf shot that keeps you coming back you yes know? so follow up to that i mean what do you get like do you get like the diamond encrusted ring like a wwe <laughs> championship belt like what do you get man it's got to be some right it was so it was so funny after the game where they were walking around with the shirts and <laughs> i i knew it too i was like i was like hey you got a medium in those shirts and she was like nah xls and double xls i'm like oh come on man <laughs> I'll take an XL. <laughs> <laughs> Shrink it down, right? Uh, yeah, seriously. That's so it, awesome. it was a, it was a shirt. No rings. Maybe maybe we'll see on that. Maybe I'll purchase those some plastic rings that we can all wear. But. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, number two, favorite part of working in the NBA. I think what I said in the beginning, man, it, it is now it is it it's oof, the ebbs and flows. It, it has taught me, and I, I have fun talking about this stuff. And it's like fun to track this over time and, and talk about it with people of like the things that kind of shape you and are intense enough to kind of change the way you go about things and and a lot of good ways and a lot of you know the overcoming pieces and that's anybody with every job so it's just cool to be riding that wave and being able to do it in in the nba space you know so that yep. makes it more fun it's like somebody in an office job could say the same thing you know the ebbs and flows and the stress and all that sort of stuff so it's like the same as anybody else that's like getting into their career late 20s early 30s and kind of rolling through and just start hey, I realize what matters a little bit more now. Right. I have better perspective. And it's like, then you look around and, oh, I can slow things down and enjoy this a little better. So sure. um, so it's it, it continues. The favorite part is that all of that can be done in this cool pro sports space. Yes, I love it, man. All right, number three. Obviously, there's a lot going on in your world, right? And this is not like kicking back, drinking Mai Tais every day. So <laughs> how do you keep the energy tank full? I mean, obviously being passionate yeah. about your work is one thing, but like, how do you keep yeah. it full? Yeah, it's, it's actually like something, and when I saw that, like, that's actually something I do think about more now, okay. uh, yeah. oddly enough. And it's not like caffeine, it's not like, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, it, it is the cheesy, like you said, the passion part. I think it's maybe maturity of just like, this is what has to be done. And right. it's just kind of like grow up, man. Like you, and so it's like you, I, I think the other piece is like consistent purpose throughout the day. It's like, hey, what do I need to do? And let me go to work on those things. And I always know that there is something else that that has to be done after that. Maybe I haven't thought about it and I need to think and sit down and be like, man, what's what's next? Like what's on the to-do list? Like what could I be working on? And so if if that's purposeful for you and and if you enjoy it, it's like that that is easy to to keep the energy tank full. And like anybody with any job, it's like if you if you enjoy your job and you're confident in your position and like you have good leadership and delegated responsibilities and you know your role, it's like yeah, like that's, you know, and, and that's why it's like, man, 
if I'm not keeping the energy tank full, it's like, again, the, the cliche, but kind of realizing how lucky that is. Yep. And it's like, how, you know, how could you be tired? You know, and that that's kind of Gary V ish, I guess. But mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, yeah, really, it's like, if I'm, if I'm putting all this in into perspective, you know, and it doesn't mean, like I said before, it doesn't mean like, I'm not the, hey, you know, all these strength coaches put on the, get on the energy bus and be this character. Like I said before, we put way too much stock in this, all this motivation and all that stuff. Cause we're not good at the other, we're not good enough at the other stuff. Right. It's like, no, don't play character, man. Just be yourself. Like all this, like, I think the motivational pieces and like, man, be super professional, super serious about what you do. Like you have to be good at it too. And like, man, you'll get all the relationship stuff that you need right. from players because of that, you know, and, and I know, I know the, you know, the motivational, like football six in the morning, going with energy, get people woken up. You know, I've been there. I did that, you know, like, you know, and and I get that that's a part of that space, which is why I'll probably never work in that space again. And, you know, I I think a big message here and thinking about this too is, is, is being yourself. And when it comes through how genuine you care about their well-being, and I know a million people have said that, you know, you, you don't have to feel pressure to be, be the character, you know, just, yeah. just bring the positivity and, and the, you know, the genuine care in your skill and, and guys are, you will build relationships. You know, it doesn't, you don't need to read 50 books to do that. Like it'll happen on its own. Yeah. I love it. All right. So this one just interjecting, and this is purely selfish, but I'm really interested in your thoughts on this. So you are obviously working at a very high level. The guys that we get into our off-season program. Some of them are at that level, right? They're already in the NBA. Some of them are summer league level guys. They're trying to work their way in. What are you looking for, say, if you're interacting with a private guy in the mm. off-season? What are you yeah. looking for? Like when, because you and I have never shared an athlete, you know, but this is becoming mm. a, a, a more common thing for us as our program's grown. Like, what are you looking for? Whether it's regards to communication, with regards to taking care of the athlete, like what are you looking for yeah. when a guy shows up? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, the, the interaction is kind of like it, it's the the golden rule or like the, you know, the materials that I would want to, the video I take, the documentation I have, the programming that gets done. I would just want that reciprocated. And that's, yep. I think the trouble sometimes is like, you know, and this is again, the the necessary like Im- improvement of this space. And you get trainers that are like places that you're like, all right, like, you know, dive into here and then, okay, you, you're unsure. And then, hey, I'll send you programming, like go over it. And and then you hear what actually happened. And, and a lot of times it's because the classic like, it has to be harder. It has to be, right. there has to be more pace to it. We have to put in a finisher. Like we have to keep them coming back, you know, in some form or fashion. And it's like, man, what happened to, and I know that's what makes it troubling. Like, or uh, that's the trouble is like, you know, they don't want to do maybe our program or, you know, even if you go over it, that's again, such a wide spectrum where it's like, I don't know what that would look like if, if, and you try to make it foolproof, but then in thinking outside the box and trying to make it foolproof, these are things that are not familiar, I think, to a lot of private trainers or just people around the country. Yeah. And then, so then it's like, okay, well, this is maybe too new where it's like, it would be hard for me to convey how to make this trainable or how to make it hard enough to make a difference. So then it's about pace. Then it's about like, I'm going to push this player through quickly and we're going to work hard. And, you know, afterwards we're going to be like, oh man, that was crazy, huh? You know, and it's like that you still, you still get that. And, and all I would want is like, I mean, first and foremost, are you willing to coach the, to do the programming that, that I would send you? And, and, 
maybe I understand that some people are not. And, and so that's first question. And if you are not, okay, like we can still go through this if that's the only option. And, you know, what are you going to do and what sort of records or things will I see after as evidence of those things occurring? And I like it's so weird how I, t- I talk to people about sending me video all the time. Right. And and people are really uncomfortable doing it. <laughs> really? And yeah, just like I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's I mean, maybe it's weird because it's your facility and you, you know, I'm telling you to video something and like, I don't know. And, you know, that's just second nature to me now. But right. it's like we are paying you, you know, so I, I, it's I mean, and some people do like I've sent, you know, I mean, shout out to, to Doug Kashishan, but we have sent him some folks that like, you know, if I'm saying, hey, like, can I get a video of this and check this out and whatever, whatever. It's like I trust that number one, he's doing it the right way. And I'm going to be able to see like video that we are going to use in our data bank as evidence of progress. You know, right. it's like in the off season, it's critical to to keep some sort of norm and even, of course, hit the gas on a lot of the strength and conditioning stuff. It's like, how do we make that consistent enough to make maximum difference? And we have to use private trainers. And it's like, I, again, I would need, it's like, I wish I could convey the understanding of what this supported version of a split squat looks like and the ISO hold and the position that the person should be in even 45 seconds in and then how to cue them or, you know, give them sort of tactile feedback to put them in the right position. It's like, do they, that's such a different, I think, style for a lot of people, especially if just random private facility that you're going to see somebody jumping in and cueing somebody and changing somebody's position. It's like, I I think that's, I wish, like, I wish I was getting that, you know, and and that's, that's hard to find because maybe, maybe they're just getting, they're getting plugged into maybe a group sometimes. And again, it's just kind of the style of the training that's there. And here's maybe the other point is that maybe a lot of times the show is more basketball. Like a lot of times it's combined with a basketball situation. So then, you know, you're just kind of like checking the box of the lift and that's, you know, it, it should be, I mean, the sport is the sport. Like let's, we need to do the basketball thing. But it's like you're you're hitting that lift and then you're just, you know, you're going into your basketball work. So maybe it's a little bit of an afterthought in a lot of like the basketball oriented gyms because that's kind of the style. And and we know the culture, too. It's like I the culture's not there where it's like, what would I want from a private trainer? Maybe it's like what they're doing because I, I they're probably not loading them enough to make a big difference because and that's no that's not really a shot at anybody but like i mean it very it very much is band dominated in the nba which is fine the use of that tool is perfectly useful and fine but you know from a hey here's your band walk here's your you know renegade row here's your random set of jump ropes here's your (laughs) you know leg press and you know whatever it's like a lot of times it's kind of left to the own devices it's like okay well you know, if the player wants to do this and they're going there, well, I don't think you're you're loading any them in a way that's going to move the needle. So maybe we're just fine, you know. Right. But I wish, you know, of course I would like, oh, like how how can we make this this purposeful? And like I said before, with the record keeping and the consistency in the day to day, again, I'll emphasize, like in the off season, it is tough to keep that consistency up. And we should have better professionals around the country that we could, again, if that gray was much smaller. You know, and there wasn't this wide spectrum of interpretation, like I should be able to send him to send a player to wherever and know that this exercise is going to look the same or be cued in pretty similarly, you yeah. know, and, and that's and that's not the case. I love it. All right. Last but not least, number five. Sure. What's next for Chris Chase? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the job, the job is good and it's, it's, that's lucky and, and great. And it, it never lasts forever in, in pro sports. So it's like this time next year, it could be a different answer, but I guess for right now it's, it's cool to be able to kind of, you know, be okay with just putting your head down and, and doing the job and be excited about that. And, you know, everybody does this whole social media thing, but like that has been fun to kind of get out of that space and, and just not see so much of the silliness and just, right. you know, it, everybody gets caught in this. of so just like, you just make yourself mad, you know, you just right. get yourself frustrated and it's like, why, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you could, you know, I could get so much satisfaction for staying in the bubble for at least for now. And, and just head down and try to do something cool. And maybe it's like, we've said that before, like, you know, I hope in the next five years, it's like, you could say something cool about what you did in the NBA. It's like, that'll be more fun than just frustrating myself and chasing likes and like coming up with, you know, stuff like gimmicky stuff to showcase or something. It's like, it's hard. It's hard. And I get like, I get the struggle of like throwing out and, and, you know, wanting to do that. But I think, you know, again, go back to what's next. It's like, let's, Let's see what this job, where this goes, you know, yep. and be okay with just that. I love it, man. Well, Chris, you've been amazing to talk to you today. Where can my listeners find out more about you, what you have going on, connect, whatever? Uh, yeah, right now, nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually just called, I called the, I called to get a house phone recently. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just oh, like, I like get, it. get some version of off the grid. I want something, a, a phone with a cord and like a voicemail machine and oh, really I like that. just go back to the root. So right now, nowhere there's, I mean, of course there's internet rep remnants of just like videos that have been put out there in the past, but that are, you know, outdated and probably wrong and don't look that good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> So I guess it's nowhere for now. And then hopefully maybe at a later point, it's like jump back in, jump back in the circus and see what's going on. I love it. Well, again, man, so much appreciate your time. Love catching up with you. Thank you again for coming on, my guy. Of course. Always enjoy it. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Chris Chase. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's just one of those guys I love catching up with. As I said up top, he's a forward thinker. He's constantly going to push the envelope, and he is always going to push the industry forward. So I just feel very thankful to have people like him in our world that are going to push things forward, that are going to challenge the status quo. And ultimately, I think people like Chris are the ones that are going to make our industry better. So with that being said, as the saying goes, sharing is caring. Anything that you can do to push this message out to help kind of spread what Chris and I talked about in this show would be truly, truly appreciated on my end. So it doesn't matter whether it's email, whether it's social media, the gram, whatever you have access to. If you could just help us share this message and get the word out, I would truly appreciate it. And with that being said, as you know, I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to this show, to all the shows that I put out there. And we will be back soon with our next episode. Take care.